Welcome to Dr. 3, a Hearthstone podcast dedicated to giving you explosive growth in climbing the standard rank ladder. I'm your host, Daring Alkaline, and along with me are my fellow hosts, Dragon Rider and Major Death. So, let's go into last week's very popular poll question, Mage. Yes, we had a very active poll question. The poll question was, do you enjoy playing aggro decks? We talked about aggro decks. We had 98 votes. I think that might be the most we've uh, feedback or voting that we've had on a poll question. Uh, thank you to everybody that voted. We appreciate that. We got some great comments. But with 70.4% of the vote... You all like going face. I love it. I love it. I love it. 29.6 said, no, I don't enjoy playing Agridex. So we like our fast games. We like going face. We like smirking. I knew I liked you all. <laughs> well, there's a chance that 70% of our audience might not enjoy this episode. Then. <laughs> we'll get to that a little bit later. So. Thank you again, everybody, for voting. Really appreciate all the feedback from this poll question. We hope uh, hope to see a good amount of feedback on this week's poll question, which we will reveal at the end of the show. Exactly. So moving on to news this week. Uh, the Forbidden Library final week begins with the Heroic Brawlseum is now available when you're listening to this cast. Um, go to the uh, – we have a link for Out of Cards – and uh, it'll give you the rates uh, for winning. So craft it's a craft a standard deck and play to 12 wins or three losses. You earn packs, gold, dust, golden legendaries based on your win total. I think you need to hit, what, 10 win totals to get one golden legendary? Yeah, so, that sounds right. Yeah, so if you're really good... Um, I know, Dawn, you said you'd be playing it a bit here and there, and you said the uh, the meta becomes very interesting inside the Brawl Seum, so I'm going to be excited to hear about that next week. Yes. I think we were thinking it's 1,000 gold to enter, mm -hmm. and there's ten bucks going to be a free ticket. Yes, that's correct. Yeah, the, the heroic Brawl Seums are ones you don't get a free one because the... The stakes are high, but the rewards are also very high. So, okay. Um, next up, we have the Magic of Dalaran card back available in game store. Originally available during the June 2017 rank play. Uh, like other backs, it costs 500 gold or 299. So, another chance to get a cooler, uh, older card back. Uh, next up, we have Hotfix for Galakron Armor Bug has been implemented. Um, we'll link you to the reticle, Reddit article. It says... <laughs> reticle? I like that. We <laughs> should just call it that for now. <laughs> a reticle. Here's the reticle on that. <laughs> Here's the reticle on it. All right, so we deployed... A, it, uh, the summary is deployed a server-side patch late last week that fixed a visual bug where armor totals would not update properly after playing Galakron, referring to the fact that you'd still have five, or look like you have five armor, even though you don't. So, okay. And then, big news here, 
Blizzard announces BlizzCon online for February 19th, 20, uh, 19th and 20, 2021. Uh, we'll link you to the Blizzard article. So this replaces BlizzCon 2020 that was canceled, canceled earlier this year. Initial announcement talks about community events, community showcases, cosplays, exhibitions, and more. No word yet on game announcements or developer panels. So, and then we have how to play Mind Render Lucia Guide on Hearthstone Top Decks. It discusses scenarios when to play Lucia and when not to. Key takeaway here is one of the most important skills when it comes to Lucia is meta knowledge. You need to understand your opponent's win rate, what cards they might be holding at any given moment, and so on. So, it's pretty much you have to uh, have a very, very heavy knowledge of what your opponent's trying to do and what their hand, have an idea of what their hand looks like um, to play Lucia successfully. Um, so that, I mean, that makes a lot of sense to me having played a lot of priests. So, yeah, they went through four different scenarios where, where it would be a good idea to play it and, uh, and when not to, um, biggest takeaway there is not when you have some really good cards in your own hand that your opponent can play. Yeah. Uh, When you have Galakrond and your opponent will have at least seven mana, it's probably not the turn to uh, to hand them your hand with Galakrond in it. Just I, I watched Masters last weekend, and Grandmasters last weekend, and that happened. And I don't remember what game it was, but someone lost because of that. So it was a demon hunter who became priest Galakrond, and it was the insanity ensued. So <laughs> that that does sound insane, actually. So. Yeah, I, I, I just I thought it was a good article and it definitely something uh, if you're going to be playing Mind Render Lucia, whether it be in standard or even in wild, this is uh, definitely something to take a look at and keep in mind when you're when when you have that card in your deck and are trying to figure out when to play it. I mean, if you're playing priest at all and you're running Galcron, you should probably have some idea how to play Lucia if you're if she's not in your deck. But if you're invoking, um, like that is something you probably want to keep in mind because there's a chance you'll get her and having a one, three in your hand that is potentially a very ill effect on you. Um, you can time it to, to play it well. So I'm just saying, if you want to play priest, I would recommend doing some research and I feel like just having some insight in when mind render Lucia would be good to play is probably going to make you a better hearthstone player overall, just because there's a lot of factors you have and a lot of educated guesses, which just translate into, well, my opponent wants to do this. So he probably has this, or this is what he wants to do. And here's what he can do next turn. And here's what I can do if I take his hand right now. So there's just a lot of like have a good idea of what's going to get played when when it's your opponent's turn versus your turn and et cetera, et cetera. So there's probably even some benefit to reading this, even if you aren't playing priest and playing playing this card, because 
you this is going to be the mentality that your opponent's going to have when they have this card and so maybe you uh can p prevent this card from being as as useful against you as it potentially could be so i i uh would would probably recommend it in that regard as well yeah it's it's definitely one of those cards can that can throw you for a, a real loop especially if you have like i mean like demon hunter like you can empty a lot of demon hunter hands they have a lot of cheap spells and the priest can lucia and just equip a weapon and do a bunch of damage to you from your hand um yeah. you know rogue you have cheap spells and stuff like that like there's just there's just a bunch of different scenarios where you can um figure it out and you can figure out or have an idea of like maybe what's the worst case scenario what happens if they want to take my hand this turn it's kind of like how do i it sucks that you have to think about this because there are there are plenty of uh priest decks that literally aren't running Alusha. like the like the typical galcron priest right now isn't running Alusha natively um so i mean you can kind of if you see a duplicate or if you see like um things that would lead you to believe if you zephyrus then they're probably running Alusha. if you if you see double disciples or cleric of scales or you know raise dead whatever it may be that's not generated and you know it's a two of you can probably safely play around it but i mean even then that's not being safe so it's just there's a lot of moving parts with uh, Priest Galcrond, and <laughs> things will be a lot less complicated when uh, when uh, uh, next April hits. Let's put it this way. And and another thing with Alusha too, if you do see it on ladder, another tip. Uh, I don't know if it includes this in the article, but um, so after they you've switched hands, you play out whatever cards you're going to play out from their hand. Before you hit the end turn button, either take a screenshot or take a picture just like with your phone or something. And then that way you hit end turn, the hands switch back, and you actually have a reference of what is in their hand. Other than obviously what they draw afterwards. But that can help you out too, especially if it's a large hand. It can help you because that's information that you already knew, right? You already got that information. It was given to you when they gave you their hand. Um probably not going to be allowed to do that in like big tournaments especially when they return to land but you know just playing on ladder that that's something you can use as another resource to to help you out with that too well or you can just make the obvious play of you play out their cheap spells and then you play their mind render lucia and then you get your hand back so they don't get to play your cards i mean that's the most obvious solution to the problem, oh, which I've obvious. seen happen yes. many times. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a rewarding one right there, let me tell you. <laughs> Nothing says deviancy like I get to spend your mind render Lucia and like you don't get any of my cards. Sorry, bud. I don't know what you thought was gonna happen. So that's like the Cold War of priest matchups where it's like <laughs> Do I play it? Does he have his? Who's going to play the Mind Render Alusia first? Who's going to send us to war? <laughs> yes. uh, that, that, that card is 
mutual mutual destruction mutual assured mad yep mutual assured destruction that is correct all right and that is what we have for news for the week so um i guess we're going to move into the main topic for this week and we are going to be talking about turtle mage so remember when I said uh, those face hunter players or the the people who like playing aggro at the beginning of the podcast might not be super interested? <laughs> well, this deck is pretty much what you'd consider the opposite of aggro because it's not. <laughs> no, this is this is definitely not uh, your face hunter, your stealth aggro rogue like we talked about last week. This is a little more like uh, a couple weeks ago when we were talking about Malagos Druid. Mm -hmm. uh, definitely, it uh, is very interesting. It's not seeing a ton of play, but it is seeing play on ladder. It's definitely seeing play in tournaments, and people are definitely teching against it. So we thought we would, uh, and and we have daring on our podcast who hit legend with it this month oh no i i hit with priest but i've been playing it pretty much exclusively in legend so okay okay i i misunderstood when you were talking about it last week so I no 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 it's no it's no problem i uh i did most of my climbing though with uh turtle mage and then i just uh the things were pretty aggressive back then, so I kind of switched to priest, and then now things are things are still can be aggressive, but they've slowed down a little bit uh, enough that this deck doesn't get completely blown away by the super aggressive stuff. But it still can. I'm I'm not saying it doesn't, but it's just I feel like it's less of a bad matchup. Wait, so you played priest and turtle mage? to get to legend this month do you just hate your opponents that badly yes yes i do <laughs> <laughs> i mean okay. someone's someone's got to be playing these decks if it's not me it's the other guy and then they win so like i've got to be i've got to be out there doing it for doing it for you know i gotta play play priest for wicked good and i'm not sure i i guess i'm playing turtle mage for eddie so <laughs> there you go all right let's let's start at the ground level what is turtle mage what is uh what type of deck is it what is why is it called turtle mage and what it what are the what are some of the key cards in there okay so turtle mage um the only other thing i'd kind of uh relate it to is uh kind of shutterwark shaman back in the day um, it's a control combo deck, but it actually has a lot of tempo in it because shockingly enough, mage got a lot of very good tempo tools in Skullman's Academy. So it's, uh, it's more of a tempo in the early game and then wants to control in the later game where the key cards is Tortellan Pilgrim which cast a copy, discover a spell, a copy of a spell in your deck and cast it. So you don't exhaust a spell and you get three copy or three to look at three spells and cast one. Well, this deck, you only put three spells into it. You put in um, Frost Nova, Potion of Illusion, and a third one. There are a couple different variants but it's either going to be Blizzard or um, Ice Barrier. 
And so basically the end the end goal is to dump a bunch of one cost tortillons in your hand, freeze out the the opponent's board, heal up or um just damage them down with cloud prince or sun reaver war mage and just a bunch of one ones and just chip them down turn after turn because they will never get an unfrozen board again. <laughs> Literally you are going to at turn eight, you are ideally going to be dropping a uh a tortillon and casting uh potion of illusion, putting a one one cost uh tortell a one mana one one tortillon mage back or uh, pilgrim into your hand, which then on turn nine you can cast that, you put that into the board, you go again, 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 freeze the board, and do whatever. So at that point in time, you just start making copies of the cards you want to play, and you you go towards your win condition while always maintaining board space and freezing out their board. So That sounds disgusting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was uh, I actually had a chance to stream a little bit last weekend, um, or the... Yeah, I think it was last weekend, and um, Forrest Bates came in and was watching me play some Turtle Mage, and then he was, uh, I, I was was playing Turtle Mage, and I drew both my potions, which we'll get to later, but he's like, he repeated, he was like, why does this exist? <laughs> and uh, that, was a, that was a close game, but I, I ended up winning. But anyways, so the more important uh, cards in the deck are going to be Lorekeeper Polecat, which arranges your deck from highest to lowest, which means you can get to your Tortell and Mages, uh, Pilgrim is Pilgrims, as soon as you want to. And then the Spear Sapiens is probably the other most important card, which allows you to look at the top card of your deck and put it on the bottom of your deck. If it does so, it takes one of its four charges away. So that, yeah. Because yeah. ideally you don't, the, 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 uh, the spells that you have in the deck, you don't actually want to draw the originals of those. Yes, and yes. You, you know, obviously you could draw one of each of them and still have one still in the deck, but ideally between Polkelt, the Sphere of Sapience, and that you, you're hoping to dodge uh, those spells until until after you've started this Tortolan Pilgrim train. Yes. Uh, so that you have the option of doing whatever you need to do when it, when it comes to that turn. Exactly. And the final most important card is... Potion of Illusion. Add one mana, one one versions of minions on your board to your hand. So that is the that is the spell that makes the deck work. That is the spell you want to keep in the deck above all else. That is that is the key spell that must stay in your deck at all times. Like you can get around freezes, you can get around other things, but you can't get around your deck kind of runs out of steam once you draw both your potion of illusions. You can still win games after you do it, like I just said, but ideally, those uh, the you keep one copy of every spell in the deck. But the potion of illusion is your your crucial spell. Gotcha. All right. So so the win condition is you're playing tempo or you're stalling until you can get those Tortolan pilgrims online. And then every turn after that is just this Tortolan Pilgrim 
pilgrimage, I guess it would be, uh, where where you're then freezing your opponent's board. You're potentially doing damage with one of your. The the deck has like one damage dealer that it typically. Yeah, it's either correct. it's either Sunreaver War Mage, which does four damage, if you have a spell that costs five or more in your hand. Or Cloud Prince, which is if you have a secret in play, it does six. So that depends on what your preference is for that. So people were running Night Blades for a while too. That was the first thing. thing. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so ideally, you're getting one one mana copies of those, in addition to the Tortolans, so that you can keep keep the damage going in addition to keeping your opponent frozen and, and that sort of thing. So. Um, wh- okay. I'll get to that later. Yeah. I just, I thought of something, but that's more of a tip for the deck. So, all right. I would say another, uh, uh, win condition other than freezing and, and doing all of that is just boring your opponent to death. <laughs> Sometimes you just, you just play out all that stuff and then eventually they're like, okay, yeah, I, I don't want to yeah, do this I'm not anymore. And then they can three concede. more turns of you doing this. I'm just yeah. going to concede now. Well, well, so. um, the other uh, that is that is definitely one of them. Forcing your opponent to leave the game. Uh, the other one is just get them. To quote Brian Kibler, get them. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. can you can just put yeah. enough tempo on the board that you can just win. So like that is an option. So don't think that like. Tempo isn't isn't a powerful tool because, like I said at the beginning of this, Mage has received a lot of very good tempo tools, and like so they can put a lot of pressure onto the board. Even though they have this late game strategy, you can just start forming a you know board and just keep pushing damage every turn, and then all of a sudden, I've had several times where the I just beat them before turn seven. You know, so it that's very possible. So Janus is a hell of a card. So, all right, Dra- Dragon Rider, what what is the uh, the matchup spread look like? What are the what are the good matchups? What are the bad matchups? What are, what what are you hoping to cue into when you're playing this deck? Yeah. All right. So, the good matchups are Paladin and Priest, kind of the other slower, more control style decks. Um, right. we have listed some kind of neutral matchups. Um, those can kind of go either way. Warrior, uh, Zoo Warlock, which I feel like there hasn't been as many of on ladder, but there's not as much Turtle Mage either. Uh, And then also the Spell Mage. And the bad matchups, you're looking at things like Demon Hunter, Hunter decks, uh, Cyclone Mage. So like really aggressive decks uh, that just kind of beat you down really quickly uh, do pretty well against this deck. Not making it to turn eight is going to severely dampen your your ability to play the Tortolan Pilgrim. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna have a bad time if you uh, if you can't play it on turn eight. To so basically, in those scenarios, you have to a hope you make it to turn eight, and b hope you've found Polcat, have both the Tortolans in your hand, and can play it to just freeze the board on turn eight. And that it survives to turn nine because if that happens, you still you're doing all right. But yeah, for the most part, yeah. If you die before turn eight, then you no bueno. <laughs> so all right, so uh, you know you guys uh, have played this deck, and so what are what are some of the tips? What are you 
what do the early turns look like what are you trying to do where are you where are you trying to set up uh you know when are you maybe playing pull count uh what what are what are some tips for playing this deck if 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 you're starting to pick this up and you want to try and play and you don't want to just completely get uh hammered on ladder right away what are you trying to do so first i would say that like things you want to be concerned about early on you want you want the mulligan you want to look at the mulligan um and kind of judge it by matchup um if it's a slower matchup like the good matchups you can probably hold on to a tortellan um in your opening hand because that's the key that is the key to unlocking most of the slower grindier matchups um so that's pretty good uh spear sapiens is almost always a keep i am struggling for time to think when it's not except for maybe the super aggressive matchups even then it's not bad on turn one because um all of a sudden you're not using it necessarily to maintain order of your deck you're using it to be like Wow, that's a Tortellan on t- turn two. Um, perhaps I could find something much better to do on turn two. <laughs> so, like, um, early game stuff, depending on what versions you're running, like the Doomsayers and the aggressive matchups, your uh, Wand Makers, your Firebrands, your... So you want your tempo t- tools early on in the game, pretty much. So that's, that's what I would say. Like... Pretty much, you can throw away the Tortellan in the the more aggressive matchups and just focus on the tempo tools. Um, on the sword matches, I would keep one. Still focus on the tempo tools because Paladin obviously can get on board. And um, once they're on board, they don't want to get off. And Priest, obviously you want to be able to deal with something like a Sethic Veilweaver and not let them just get infinite value. Um, while you're waiting, so there's just a lot of there's a lot of good stuff you can get. You know your firebrands, your imprisoned observers, um, the, the vicious syndicate is where running the frozen shadow weavers. Um, so there's there's a few different variations, but yeah, you want to strive for those tempo tools early on because they will they get not as good as the game goes on. So you probably want to get them. As soon as possible, fight for board as hard as you can. So once once turn eight rolls around, you're able to just take over. As for your question about whole cat, um, depends on what my hand is. If I have a spear sapiens, I'll drop him on turn uh, f- you know, turn on four, because then I can control what's coming out. Um, and he's a four or five, <laughs> so he's very good on turn four. Um, if things are a little bit dicey and depending on what my hand looks like, um, six or seven is probably a good turn to do it depending on where you are in the game. Um, just because once you, once you drop Polcat, uh, it's all of a sudden a race to end the game before you draw your potions of illusions. You even have like a turn or two after depending on what your draws are, but, um, yeah, you are on a specific timer that you know how long, roughly, until you draw um, those cards. So it gives you an idea of what your time frame is to kill your opponent with either your, your Sun Reaver War Mages. So that's the other thing, too. With um, the Sun Reaver War Mage, 
you have to have the blizzard in hand. So Polkett will allow you to draw your blizzards, and if you're counting on blizzards to bail you out on the board, those suddenly go away from the, the pool. So that's something to keep in mind as to when you drop him or if you drop him. He's just not a... I feel like in this in this deck, he's not just like an auto drop. You like really have to put some thought into when he's going to hit the board because the the implications of what happens uh, really sets your game plan up, and you have to really focus and figure out: Can I kill my opponent before I run out of steam? Which generally you can if you're going into turn eight safely. If you're not, it's a little bit more dicey. So. Uh, biggest, biggest tip I can give you, uh, is understand how Tortillan Pilgrim works with Potion of Illusion. Order played is the order in which they come back to your hand. This is extremely important because you can determine what is coming back to your hand, especially when you have a full hand, when you're like, if you have four minions on board and you have two slots on board, and this is your last Tortellan, and it's two, you know, um, you know, Earth and Ring Farseers or Cartoon Defenders. Like, all of a sudden, you've just screwed yourself because you put two Cartoon Defenders into your hand, and all of a sudden, you're out of turtles. So, that is the biggest thing you have to ask yourself is, how many board spaces do I have? How many cards are in my hand? And what order are they going to come back into my hand? And what am I planning to do? So this is all very... This is where when it gets very complicated towards after turn 8. Because you have to... There's a lot of moving parts. And the other quest, the other thing you guys mentioned was... You know, like, make your opponent not sit through it. But, like, they can screw it up. They 100% can screw it up. I have messed it up. And I've lost games because of it. So, like, that is a real thing. I guess, I guess seeing, like, all those... Uh, like, I've watched some games with this deck, and I've seen, like, a board full of Tortolan Pilgrims that are 1-1s, and I'm just like, well, why didn't they just play a Tortolan and, and, like, copy all those things, and instead they ran all these 1-1s in first? That You definitely are going to do that in instances where you're tr definitely trying to control exactly what it is you're going to put back into your hand from these Tortolans that you're going to keep playing. So it's not maybe that first or second turn of, of Tortolans, but after that, when you have like a full hand of one, one of copies of things that you're going to probably have to start kind of manicuring the board as it were. So, and setting it up so that what you get back is exactly what you want to get back. Yeah, and that's the other thing. Know what's on the board when it hit the board. And it's just like sometimes your opponent will try and leave things on the board that are not good for you to have on the board. Like, you don't, turns out you don't need a 1-1 polecat. You like, you don't need a 1-1 polecat? He does nothing. He's just a 1-1 that rearranges your deck that has already been re rearranged. It might shuffle around your 5-drops, but that's about it. So, um, and you just have to be aware of things like that. Um, remember that Cartoots are really sticky, and you have to kill them twice. Um, so, if you don't want a Cartoot defense, uh, I mean... 
don't be afraid to pop your hero power to destroy one of your own minions. Like that is something you can do to curate your board space. Um, also, dormant minions do not get copied. So if you have a um, if you have an imprisoned observer on the board, it will not be copied by Potion of Illusion if it is in a dormant state. So that is something that you could drop on the board that is not going to come back to your hand immediately. But you have to keep that in mind when you're um, when you're you know turn two turns down the line. It's going to come live and it's not going to have a chance to attack. So if you do anything back that turn, you're going to have more imprisoned observers on the board. So like there's a lot of a lot, a lot, a lot of moving parts when it comes to this deck. And uh that's really the I, I mean that's one of the reasons I am I'm a big fan of this deck. There's a lot of moving pieces, there's a lot of combo potential, and it's just super interesting. And it's an interesting challenge to me. Not that any other decks aren't interesting challenges. Like, obviously, we talked about, you know, aggressive decks last week. And I think those are can be interesting challenges to different people. But I prefer these challenges when it comes to playing Hearthstone. So, like, this is super interesting. And it's very reminiscent of the deck I first hit Legend with, which was Shutterwalk Shaman. So, it has a very special place in my heart. So it's primarily the Tortolan Pilgrim and then whatever damage dealer that you have in the deck. Those are the cards that you want to you want to keep uh, duplicating with Potion of Illusion or depends depends really like if it's if you're playing against a Demon Hunter and you're not running the secret package, you know, the Ice Barrier, you can just start running Earthen Ring Farseers and just like. Like, I don't have to kill you. You're going to run out of resources well before I do. I just heal for, like, 12 every turn. Like, what are you going to do? Hit me for 12 one turn, and then I heal for 12, and then what are you going to do next turn? Like, this all involves you being on the board, which leaves me an opportunity to get, trade in a bunch of 1-1s. So there's, like, a bunch of that, too. Like, you can do that with uh, Cartoot Defenders, where it's just, like, once you see King go down, all of a sudden it's like, okay, well, you can't literally get through all these without healing me up a bunch. So it is match dependent. Ideally, yes, you want to kill them with that. But if that's not in the plan or, you know, if you're feeling a little vulnerable, you can go with one of these heal plans as well and just spam a bunch of 1-1 one, one heal for three or two taunt minions that heal you for six. So... It's it, the, uh, yeah. Uh, I was gonna say with the vicious syndicate list, they're running frozen shadow weaver. Mm -hmm. I would imagine that if you're dealing a, with a deck like Demon Hunter or Bomb Warrior or something like that, a deck that is trying to kill you with with weapon damage, that duplicating that and and being able to play that and freeze out their weapon every turn might be might might be a good idea as well. Yeah, that's not the deck I've been playing, but also. The key to that, I, I think it works better on Demon Hunter than it does against Bomb Warrior because I think Bomb Warrior by that point in time has the appropriate number of bombs in your deck. And one is the appropriate number because then turns out, guess what? Bombs are spells. So you can discover a bomb and not Potion of Illusion. So once that bomb goes into the deck, there is also the potential but that's also one of the great things about Spear Sapiens. 
is that you're like, oh, there's a bomb coming off the top of my deck. Yes, no, please put that at the bottom of my deck. I don't want to see that. You can do that. Or you can be like, <laughs> I, you know what? I have a bunch of, like, I'm going to heal up a bunch. So, yeah, I'll take the five damage. I'd rather take it now and then save it, you know, save that charge for when I need it. So... Get, get it out of the deck so it doesn't it doesn't uh trigger bomb mess up your tortola yeah and, exactly uh, uh discover yeah because if you're playing if you're playing the frozen shadow weaver on three against bomb warrior there's probably a good chance it just dies um and i mean you get to or on turn four it probably still just dies um because i assume it's probably going to be a high kill you know kill priority target but like demon hunter is going to hit you throughout throughout the game and being able to repeatedly freeze them is obviously very devastating to demon hunter that's pretty much just ggs right there they can't do much without being able to swing but bomb warrior i feel like probably has done its damage by that point in time i mean i guess i guess now that i'm thinking about it with galakrond you can stop repetitive galakrond damage so that is something too so that is something, but you could also have um, Ice Barrier in your deck, and every time they hit you, you heal for eight. You know what I mean? So it's like there, there are different, there are different points of view on this deck. But I do actually like the idea of the Frozen Shadow Weaver, and I might try incorporating it in my deck and seeing what I think about it. So yeah, that's the list I was trying out, and I actually ended up running into a Weapon Rogue as well, and. Yeah, it made a huge Ooh. difference in that matchup, being able to freeze them when they had that self-sharpening sword out and and try to... Uh, it's the same list that's also running... Uh, let's see, the Vicious Syndicate one is running uh, some Violet Spell Wings in, in the kind of beginning of the deck as well. So that helped a lot against Rogue. Uh, so my tip would be there are a few different builds and you can kind of change a couple of the cards uh, really based on what you're seeing in the meta. And it's still the kind of typical structure of the deck and how you play it. still going to be pretty similar, but just changing those different cards, being able to freeze their face if you're seeing, you know, weapon classes can help in the matchup and can maybe tilt it towards an unfavorable, from an unfavorable towards even just an even matchup, which... Overall, that can make a huge difference in your win rate on ladder. So uh, that that would be a big tip I have. And then I just have to throw this one out there. I uh, I put in my my little asterisk uh, Don's tip for playing this deck. Don't just don't, <laughs> just don't just don't play it. <laughs> I mean, I choose. Uh, it's to half play joking. It. You're, you're yes. No. No. Jared absolutely. Feel bad. I'm, I'm just not a fan of this. Like I've played it. Mm -hmm. I just don't enjoy playing it and I don't enjoy, enjoy playing against it. I'm just, I'm over it, but there really is not a lot of it on ladder. I think we kind of mentioned that a little bit. It's, it seems a little bit better situated in tournaments where you can, you know, kind of add it into a specific lineup and you can ban out a bad matchup, uh, you know, and, and really kind of tailor it to what it's supposed to do. But it's a little bit difficult on ladder, and that's why I wanted to bring up the point about the kind of different uh, variations that we've talked about and, and how you can kind of change it based on what you're seeing. Yeah, and I feel like probably the Vicious Syndicate list, is pro if you're interested in it, is probably the way to go. I'll throw the deck code into the 
the version I've been running. I modified one I found on HS Replay um, a while ago. Um, and personally, I really find that, like, uh, I very much enjoy the Cloud Prince Ice Barrier version just because you're able to put up a lot of Ice Barriers. And Ice Barrier early on to heal for 8 is probably a pretty good thing. So, um, if you get it. So, I, li I like that a lot. But, like, I do... You can, you can stack armor. You can't stack health past 30. Yes, so correct. Got, yeah, exactly. That so, that's where yeah. that's where Ice Barrier comes in, in, in put into play. So, um, I like... Um, but I do like some things about the Vicious Syndicate. They seem to be more focused on the tempo in the early game, which I think is probably a good thing. The, the version I'm running is running the Swamp Oozes for weapon classes, which, I mean, at 3-2, it's, you know, still not bad for the early game, but it is what it is. But, so, I feel like if you're going to do anything, um... The Vicious Syndicate is probably the way to go. I've just had success with that. And I'm playing in a different meta now. You know, Legend is obviously going to be different uh, than, you know, the standard, you know, wherever you are in the in the ranked ladder. Unless it's between, like, 5 and... 5 and Legend is pretty close to what you would see in Legend. So, except for your, when you're at the, the end of 5, you might run into some wonky... You know, like I'm at the rank four. Let the let the fun begin. Kind of decks. <laughs> they like I don't care what's happening. I'm gonna have fun. Kind of decks. So. so. All right. So so one thing. So one thing. Piggybacking on how much it's being played in in uh, on the ladder. According to Vicious Syndicate's report, it's uh, it's about two percent of play rate. Uh, and it's a little bit higher in Legend than it is outside of Legend. I think it's a fairly complicated deck to play. So that does make sense. So uh, if I was to offer any tip, the tip I would be say is don't tech against it. Do not put Living Dragon Breath into your deck, whatever you're playing, because you wholly expect to see a bunch of Turtle Mage. Because you probably aren't going to see a lot of Turtle Mage. I was going to say, the only time you can, like throw a tech in against it is in like a tournament lineup. Like I feel like it's fine in a tournament lineup just so you have like, if you want to throw, like I've seen a lot of people do it in Druid in Grandmasters. So if that's something you want to tech against in a tournament, I feel like that's probably a, a safer bet. But on ladder, if it's, if the play rate is 2% outside of legend, then just pretend it doesn't exist um and the strategy when you play against it is push it as hard as you humanly can as fast as possible like just go in on it and do as much as you can um just be as aggressive as possible as fast as possible ignore ignoring the minions a lot of times is going to be what you want to do you don't want to waste time killing wand thieves and different things like that that and you just want to be pushing base damage to try and try and get lethal, correct? Yeah, yeah, precisely. So, um, last point because I, uh, Dawn's gonna head out here in just a few minutes here to go pick up her husband. Um, so we are going to just, uh, kind of wrap it up here. But um, the final question is: What happens if you draw both your potions of illusion? Um, 
Well, uh, <laughs> I mean, hopefully you're in a good spot. You cry. Yeah, you cry. It <laughs> depends on when you do, when you draw the second one. It really does. If you draw the second one on turn four, well, you might want to click that concede button because that might be your best out unless you're just going to be able to, um, you know, s- drop it on Janus. Janus is a phenomenal potion of illusion target. So... If you're able to do that, like that's fine. But I mean, at that point in time, you switch to as much tempo as you can humanly possibly do. You try and use your tortillons to freeze out the board uh, when you can. And or if you have Blizzard in there, use it for you know like a board clear or whatnot. Um, and you just kind of try and use your tempo tools to to do it. Start start. You use one when you have a board full of, you know, you have a wand thief, a wand maker, and a, you know, firebrand stuff that you can use to gain control of the board or push damage with. That's when you start using your potions of illusions to just kind of shift and trying to start being more aggressive because you don't have much else. Um, if you're if you've already got a few damage points in. Uh, maybe you try and chunk them down with, you know, Cloud Prince or your War Reaver. It works better with Cloud Prince because Cloud Prince does six damage. So all of a sudden, if you're able to get, uh, you know, a couple in your hand, then all of a sudden things start looking better if you're able to do. So if you have, if you haven't played a Cloud Prince and you have both in your hand, or, uh, both positions in your hand, six damage for the first one. 12 damage equals the second one, and then you potion of illusion, your final one, and that's 24 damage. So you can do 24 damage over a couple, ter- over two turns with um, both potion illusions and the cloud prints if you can keep the secrets up. So that's the thing. So you, you just kind of have to switch to a more aggressive formula. And know that your classic game plan is out the out the window. Hopefully, I mean that doesn't happen nearly as much, but I mean Spear Sapien pre- prevents it from happening, so that's why it's so good. That's like that's why you want it. Um, you can keep the cards, you can keep your spells in your deck. So, all right, well then let's go ahead and move into the poll question before we take off for the evening, Mage. Another yes or no poll question this week. We we talked about Turtle Mage as our as our main topic. Talked a little bit about it, how to play it, how to play against it. Have you played a version of Turtle Mage during Skullamance Academy? Uh, it doesn't see a lot of play, so maybe there'll be a, a lot of no's. But maybe we've got a lot of people like Daring in our audience that that like control combo decks. Uh, and, and so we were curious how many of you have actually played the deck and, uh, vote, let us know, tell us how you did with it. And we will talk about the results on next week's show. And if you want to, if you want to tag me when you click, yes, I'm going to give you a virtual high five for every person who clicks. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so you can find the show on Twitter at Dr. Three HS. You can follow our top pin tweet to get to the Dr. Three Discord. And finally, you can email the show at Dr. Three S at, at gmail.com. And you can find myself on Twitter at Daring Outline. Don? 
You can find me on Twitter at Donnie DK. That's D-A-W-N-I-E-D-K. And Twitch, uh, twitch.tv slash DK. And Mage. You can find me on Twitter. I'm at MageDeath. And then Monday, Wednesday, Friday, you can find me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash MageDeath. All right, guys. Well, thanks for tuning in this week. And as always, you've been listening to Dr. Three. copy of the boom and then another one one copy of the boom and another one one copy of the boom yeah that's about my life